Chris Chow. So welcome back to the show. We got another good one. NFL season is coming. I'm telling y'all, my pants are wet and it's flowing. Whoa. I love it. Whoa. We got Jake in the house. What's going on, buddy? Well, I mean, I was feeling amazing. And then you're talking about your pants being wet. And I'm like, maybe we should restart this thing. And I don't go know. Change. I got to go change. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, not good. It is, but the season is right around the corner. Looking forward to it. I mean, I'm kind of ready to get into the routine of in-season content. Because, man, I'm I'm running out of topics to talk about on YouTube. I mean, uh, if you haven't drafted yet, though, I do want to throw out one quick reminder. Head over to Fantrax right now. Set up for a free account using the referral code headliners. If you join a new league, you're going to be entered into this huge giveaway where they're giving away a game of your choice for you and your league mates to up to 12 tickets and six grand in spending cash. So don't miss out on that. Make sure you head over to Fantrax and just start up another new league. Everybody loves the whole draft process. Start up a new league, try it out, you'll enjoy it, and then you're entered into that giveaway for free. Good Lord, six grand in free tickets for you Dude. and your whole league? Like, who doesn't want that shit? I put in for it. I don't even know if I'm eligible to win, Joust, but I still I put, put in, in for it. it five times, and I don't even know if I'm going to win. Yeah, we may get picked and be like, listen, guys, sorry you weren't eligible, but I, st- <laughs> uh, damn it, I still tried. I put it under, like, five different names, so I don't know how I'm going to prove it after, but hey. <laughs> We're going to try because this giveaway is crazy. I'm just playing anyway, but you guys, good luck. I mean, it's a great giveaway for you guys to get into, but like I said, man, NFL draft season, I got one draft left. And I mean, I was pretty proud of my keeper team. Should I rhyme this off before we get in? Because it's a, it's a football fantasy show. I got to talk about this team. You can do that. And then I'll, I'll rattle off the team that I have for our listener leagues. Perfect. That sounds good, man, because this team, okay. It's a keeper league. It's been in existence since like, Oh, four. Like it's, it's a longstanding league. Yeah, man. It's it's old dudes in this one. That's right, man. This is OG (laughs) league. This is what we're talking about, but I kept, so I had Saquon Barkley, Travis Etienne, Tyreek Hill, and, and uh, uh, Terry McLaurin. And that, that was my choice. Who was I going to pick? And the, the lottery came, and I ended up getting the third overall pick. So I said, ooh, I do like this. Now I can let Saquon go because we lose the pick where we pick the players, and Saquon was my first-round pick. Etienne was my 13th. Tyreek was 11th. Terry was 14th. So I had a great value on these guys because I drafted super late, kept them a couple of years, or I got them off the waivers. This is how the draft went, baby. My quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. I got Dalvin Cook to replace me some Saquon Barkley. I got Travis Etienne, who was my keeper. Tyreek Hill, who was my keeper. Terry, who was my keeper. I snagged me some Kyle Pitts as my tight end, if like you can that. believe it. Like it. Juju as my flex. Chris Olave as my second flex. Picked up the Eagles D because they played Detroit week one, and that defense is looking pretty stellar on paper, so we'll see how that goes. My bench, Michael Carter, James Cook, Josh Jacobs on my bench. Wow. Ramondre Stevenson on my bench and the little Garrett Wilson, man. How do you say championship is coming my way? I mean, that's that's overall pretty that's pretty legit right there. I, nice. I can say pretty much from top to bottom, I can't find too many complaints in there whatsoever. Uh, when it came to our listener leagues here, which we did on fan tracks as well, One thing that I can tell you is when you draft with people who listen to the advice that you give, they take all of your players from you. Uh, Unfortunately, and I do mean unfortunately, I had the number one pick in my league, and I absolutely hated it. But this is what I ended up with. I have Patrick Mahomes as my quarterback. I have Jonathan Taylor, Brees Hall, A.J. Dillon, Kareem Hunt, Naheem Hines, and last but not least, Mark Ingram sitting at the bottom of my running back bench. 
For wide receivers, oof, this one got a little scary. I went Drake London, Adam Thielen, Chase Claypool, DJ Chark, Devontae Parker, Julio Jones, Alec Pierce, and last but not least, Christian Watson. Hmm. Uh, I got Travis Kelsey as my tight end, so I stacked Kelsey with Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the only other thing we really have there is is a defense, is the Chargers. I haven't even picked up a kicker yet because I'm just waiting to see what happens. Interesting stuff, man. I mean, running back heavy, good quarterback, good tight end uh, stack. Yep. I mean, receivers, I, you, you're, you're you're banking you're banking on a little bit of risk for the receivers to hit, but I mean, you got some good ones there. If I can get either Drake London or Alec Pierce or Christian Watson to turn into anything this year, yeah, you're good, and then I'll be okay. Uh, if they Same don't, then I'm Julio. gonna be in trouble. Exactly. Same with Julio. If Julio can pan out just a little bit, I mean, we're not as talking a wide receiver old. three. I don't sure. need him to be top twelve. <laughs> That's right. We're not talking old school Julio. We're talking new school Julio, yeah. and I mean. We can get away with 65 for 850 and seven. And that's a great season for Julio at a flex. So, oh yeah, man. Draft season, baby. You got to love it. I got one more and that's it. And I'm six deep this year. It's too many, but Hey, I think I'm done. That's what it is. I think I am. (laughs) Unless anything else comes up here last minute, I'm done. Something might just pop up (laughs) because you know things pop up as the season goes on, but Hey, Roster cut down day. We know what the train is right now. Teams are starting to get ready for the 53 man rosters for game day. Cut down day is interesting nowadays because before, before the practice squad, you know, cuts were cuts. You were on the open market and that was it. Now you wave and cut players Mm -hmm. to potentially put them on your practice squad. So everyone's all, you know, especially on Twitter, you know, you're seeing everyone. Oh my God, they're cutting blah. Patience, patience, because there is a practice squad. And I believe it's what 10 to 12 players that can be held on this thing. So before we get into all that, there is news. Okay. Because we will touch on some of the quality names, I guess, quote unquote, that did get cut, but we'll touch on this first because this one irks me a lot. And that is Jimmy G (laughs) getting his contract to go back to the San Francisco 49ers. Okay. And here we go. Jimmy G adjusted his contract to be the San Francisco 49ers backup, which will be the highest paid quarterback in the league, a backup quarterback in the league at this point right now, his base salary does go from 25 million to 6.5. If I'm not mistaken, plus all that money got transferred into a bonus. So he is going to get his money. It's easier cap relief for the 49ers, but I don't like, this for Trey, regardless of how the 49ers spin it. I'm actually quite upset with Kyle Shanahan right here because this just proves to me that he does not trust Trey Lance to the point where he would say, I'm good having Sean Mannion as my backup quarterback because Trey Lance is my dude. I don't, I understand. Okay. And I get why they're hedge betting because they have a team that can make it very far in the play up in the playoffs because the defense is good because the run game is going to be solid again, and they will be more explosive with Trey Lance. But this really pisses me off. Kyle Shanahan, I've been preaching you as a genius, man. And right now you're looking a little bit waffle-ish, waffling, sitting on the fence, not wanting to promote your man and be on the fence with your guy. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of Tua. It reminds me of the Tua situation, you know, where this feels like he's always on a short leash and he's always having to look over his shoulder when Ryan Fitzmagic was there. And it's kind of how I feel again, like, Trey Lance can't just go out there and play effortless because now he always has to look over his shoulder. I hate that from a football perspective, from an organizational perspective. I mean, arguably you have a top 32 quarterback as your backup just in case. So, I mean, that makes sense from like an insurance perspective because the team is probably going to be pretty good. Now I I hate it for Trey Lance. He's going to get the first crack, but I just have a feeling that if he comes out 
the first two to four weeks and he struggles at all, if they are below 500, they're going to start to be whispers of Jimmy G coming in. And that is not how you want your starting quarterback to play. Always worried that he's about to lose his job, especially with a young kid who's just now getting this opportunity. They didn't do that to Patrick Mahomes. Once he took the reins from Alex Smith, Alex Smith was gone. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, we're going to Mahomes. And like you just said, it's either one of two things for me. One, they're not 100% sold on Trey Lance, or they realize that they have a valuable piece that could be a, a nice trade commodity at some point, and they just weren't getting the value now, and they weren't willing to just to let him go for nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is. I, I hate it for Trey Lance because I think Trey Lance could be easy, top 10 fantasy football quarterback, just with the rushing upside alone, plus the weapons he has. Not ideal, though, heading into the season. Yeah, I mean <sighs> – they didn't do this to Josh Allen either. I mean, Josh Allen mm-hmm. got the job. They got rid of every quarterback that was there, and the backups were backups. I mean, that's just how it goes. I don't like it at all. I mean, I get it, and I understand it from the organization perspective. I get it. You're hedging your bets just in case Trey goes down with an injury. But what if this team goes 0-2? What if this team yep. really definitely goes 0-2? And you're sitting here saying, holy shit. What do we do in week three? Do we go to gym? Like, you're going to start hearing these uh, in the media. No question. They're going to start pumping up the storyline because it's there now for them to, you know, take. And now Kyle Shanahan's got to now double dip and double down on his own problems because now you're going to sit here and say, okay, why did you keep Jimmy G? If you go, okay, we're 0-2. Trey Lance starts again. Let's say he drops it. You're 0-3. Let's just say argument's sake. Now, all of a sudden, the scrutiny is going to go back on Kyle Shanahan being like, well, you got Jimmy G in the waiting. Why didn't you play him week three? And then he's going to say, well, I wanted to trust my my young quarterback because we believe in him. What if you go one and four, one and five, two and five? It's the same argument every single time because now you've created this situation that you did not need to be in. You go and you say, we had ultimate trust in Trey Lance. He is a baller. He is a young that in the making yes there's going to be growing pains he redshirted in his rookie season there's going to be growing pains mm-hmm. why do you complicate matters with jimmy g i just i'm baffled and so confused okay and we're talking trade value what was really going to be his value as a healthy guy i even i even saw that you know uh, garoppolo uh pushed back his uh shoulder surgery to coincide with this uh, whole off season so that he could hold all the leverage in the trade so he wouldn't get traded mm-hmm. so this is even more of a problem that he was he, he knew what he was doing come on San friend what were you really going to get a fourth round pick for jimmy g maybe maybe M- maybe because there was no at the time real quarterback needy team I mean, I would like to think that Seattle is pretty quarterback needy, but I also couldn't really see San Francisco trading Jimmy G to Seattle either. Right. So I, it, it's a weird situation. I, I'm I'm hoping it, it it plays out for the best, and no offense to Jimmy G, but I hope we never see him in the game again because Trey Lance is just out there balling. It's truth, man. It's facts. <sighs> Trey Lance makes the game exciting. Jimmy G will still win you ball games, though. Sure he does. And that's I mean... the that's the biggest thing. And I get it. I mean, it's about winning, and I and I completely understand. But will Jimmy G win you a Super Bowl? No, but he could That's, get you there. Sure. <laughs> Game manager bullshit. Yeah. Modern-day Trent Dilfer. You know, frick, man. <laughs> San Francisco, you bug me right now, and we're talking of, you know what, stick with San Fran right now because – Trey Sermon's making a resurgence, baby. He's going to be likely RB2 to start the season as we're seeing it right now. 
And everyone that was on the, uh, what's his name, T- uh, Ty Davis Price yep. uh, bandwagon, I was not. I told everybody, relax. They just needed another big body running back just in case uh, Trey Sermon didn't pan out. And Trey Sermon has looked head and shoulders better than he has last year. I'm all for it, man, because Eli Mitchell does need a running mate. His body clearly couldn't take the punishment and all the carries that he had last year. You got to dial it back, increase Eli's efficiency rate. And, and, you know, spell him with a Trey Sermon. I'm rooting for him. I think Trey Sermon is a good enough running back in this league that he can produce, especially in this offense. And one thing to remember with that is this is the type of offense that could support two guys. Sure. Even though there's the question surrounding Trey Lance and he's going to be running the ball a little bit more than Jimmy G would, the type of offense with Kyle Shanahan, we saw him do it in Atlanta, right, with with Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman. We've seen this happen before where you can utilize two running backs and still have them both be fantasy viable. This is one of those offenses. Now, as much as I would love to see Eli Mitchell go out there and get 250 touches, like you just said, if if we try to attempt that, he's going to play 12 games a year and he's going to miss at the most inopportune time. I think Trey Sermon is a good you know, change of pace back here with Eli Mitchell. There's a lot of speed already on this team. So Trey Sermon, if he can hold on to the football, kind of gives them that short yardage guy and takes some of that ground and pound that beat that beating off of Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, I like it, man. And I mean, you still got Jeff Wilson in the in the trenches. He's always well, hurt so too. He is. And I mean, I don't know why <laughs> just loves his band-aid running backs. I mean, you know, he really up, does. I mean, it just does. seems goes like back to mustard goes. How many yeah, other guys? Yeah, there's been a ton of people that just can't stay healthy in this backfield whatsoever. Even Tevin Coleman got hurt in San Francisco. Yeah. What's in the water in Frisco, man? You guys clean it up, man. They you know, I, I reached out to George Kittle on Twitter the other day. Oh, yeah. Did he respond? No, he did not. OK, <laughs> so I mean, I'd like to sit here and, you know, wish him good luck. But George, just George, just hit a, just hit a brother back, George. I wasn't asking for anything. Pick up the phone, George. On, George. You just, just want to talk, George. It's all, man. We want to talk about your locks. That's right. You know, but speaking of lockdown, Baker Mayfield. Dude, this is, I'm, this is this is great stuff right now because I'm going to be supporting Baker Mayfield this year more than ever than I ever did. And uh, Cynthia Freeland's taking a little bit of heat on Twitter and on in the media circle because she let the cat out of the bag. The question was asked, you know, versus the matchup versus Cleveland and Baker quoted, I'm going to fuck them up. And <laughs> she's taking a little heat. I mean, okay, fine. She didn't have to release it, but she also said, you know, take it for what it was. I was wishing him good luck in the contest. And that's kind of what he said. It was just like that. But then uh, Miles Garrett saw it and he's coming back. He's like, we're going to take it and we're going to feed off this shit. And uh, man, this is going to be probably one of the funner games to watch on uh, Sunday on opening weekend. As soon as he went to Carolina and everybody started talking about, oh my God, week one, they played the Cleveland. Browns mm. and like that is just like there's not very many you know better ways that that could have went for the NFL plus okay I'm not going to sit here and overhype Baker Mayfield as some all pro quarterback now but I kind of feel like he's in a better situation in Carolina than he was in Cleveland the past couple of years the guys mm. that he has around him now are going to afford him to not have to take all the risks down the field and I think he becomes maybe He's still going to have that gunslinger in there. But when we have the guys like a DJ Moore and a Christian McCaffrey, a LaVisca Chenault, I don't know. I mean, whatever it may be, there could be some opportunity to take some of that off of the the plate of Baker Mayfield and have more guys do, you know, yards after the catch to really inflate Baker's numbers come the end of the year. But honestly, I am all for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure he had some friends in that locker room. I'm sure not everybody hated him. Uh, But I mean, dude, this is going to be some must watch TV because the, a lot the reason a lot of people fell in love with Baker Mayfield was the 
the cockiness, the attitude. Mm-hmm. And we haven't been able to see that from Baker in quite a while. Uh, I think we're definitely going to see it here this year. I think he needs to just relax just a smidge. Oh, though. he does. He does, you know, but that's not going to happen. I understand. And I mean, okay, he wears every, the chip is right on the shoulder. It's like crawling down his arm. Like it's just, the chip is just massive on this man. I mean, it's Napoleon syndrome. I, I get it. I'm a small guy too. We all have Napoleon syndrome and we want to puff out our chest, but shit, Baker, <laughs> you, you, man, now you put yourself in a situation where you're going to have to put up. Otherwise these guys are going to shut you up and, and it's just going to come badly on you, but I'm for it because it's a new team. It's a, it's a new fresh start for the men. And I think the toxicity levels in Cleveland were too high. And I think that's the problem. It's like expectation to rebound a team that was what one in 52 before he got there. And it's like, okay, that expectation is extremely large, especially when you were the first overall pick in the NFL draft. You can't fault him for, you know, trying to shoulder all that pressure amidst another coaching change while he got there. And I mean, now having to deal with Morse new system implementation, he's been through a lot in his short tenure in the NFL. Now you go to a system with a Matt rule. Okay. We all have our, you know, debatable, you know, uh, objectives on what Matt rule is as a head coach and a play caller. I still think he's a better play caller than he is a head coach. And I think that's his detriment, but in this offense with a Baker Mayfield Mayfield, who is an accurate quarterback. I don't care what anybody says. He's a 68% to 70% quarterback. And, and as long as he's making the right decisions on the field, he's not trying to do way beyond what his skill set is. Lean on, like you said, lean on guys like CMC, lean on DJ Moore. It's not like he had a, you know, all-star Landry in a prime of his career. DJ Moore is in the prime of his career. CMC, fine. Injuries aside, if he doesn't get hurt, CMC is still in the prime of his career. So you have uh, very capable weapons. Like you said, the yak yard machine could happen. <clears throat> I'm hoping I see it for Baker because I'm, I'm actually rooting for him this year. One thing you could definitely say about Baker, and I know a lot of people, you know, they, they don't like the cockiness and the attitude, but when he has it is when he's playing his best. Like sure. is he kind of just feeds off of it. And I'm not going to, I'm going to sit here right now and say, it's not always the right time. He does some things that he probably shouldn't granted 110%. But when he has that, that chip on his shoulder, that prove everybody wrong type mentality, that's when he really plays good football. Cause when it comes to skill level and talent, Baker Mayfield is still a top 32 quarterback in this league. Talent wise, he deserves to be a starter. Is he one of the best? Probably not yet, but I think he possesses enough talent to go out there and prove a lot of the naysayers wrong. At the end of the year, is he going to have 5,000 yards passing and 50 touchdowns? No, but if he ends the year with 3,800, close to 4,000, 25 touchdowns, Carolina's probably still not going to win the division, but they could be headed back the right direction, which is definitely going to be you know something where he's going to get a lot of positive vibes from i mean i think people in carolina are just ready to have a team that doesn't suck all the time you know what i mean yeah. i mean they haven't been good since cam newton was an mvp seven years ago so it's just one of those things where the defense is going to be pretty good they're going to have some playmakers on that side of the football if baker can make a few big plays time and again it's not only going to get the fans energized and pumped but it's going to get that team going similar to what we saw with cam in his mvp year wasn't the best overall team but the defense you know fed into the offense and they're taking pictures and giving away footballs and they're celebrating and they're dabbing i mean that's what all got carolina going before baker could do something similar i agree and i mean the defense is 
the caveat play here because, okay, fine. Cleveland still has a good defense. There's no kidding. So he's going from one good defense to another, but you're going into a division that has lesser quote unquote talent. I mean, overall than maybe say the NFC North does. I mean, it's debatable, but I, I think I'm, I'm pretty close to put my flag in to say that that's not a hot take at all. Mm-hmm. And I mean, with a defense that can get him the ball back. And then my question is over under how many games does CMC miss this year Four or five over under. Yeah. Uh, I mean, right. The, I mean, opti- the optimist in me wants to say under, right. I think it's probably going to be hovering right around those four games or so, but here's the deal though. If they can structure this offense in a way to where they're utilizing DJ Moore and LaVisca Chenault in the short passing game, that's going to take sure some of the volume away from CMC, but it's going to take away some of the beating that he gets as well. Similar to what we were talking about with Elijah Mitchell. So maybe it's addition by subtraction. Maybe we, we take away a few touches from CMC, but we get them for longer throughout the year. That's definitely something I will trade off for, whether I'm playing fantasy football or running an NFL franchise, because you need to have that guy on the field. Mm-hmm. LaVisca Chenault just now coming over, if he can stay on the field and provide that short passing game, and then we kind of have the mid to intermediate route with DJ Moore, who's already got a connection with with Baker Mayfield and camp, I, I, I like that. And then maybe you know, we're not overusing CMC and we're not worried about him getting hurt two weeks into the season because he's not having to touch the ball 30 times a game. And now all of a sudden we're still moving the ball down the field, but we're spreading it around a little bit more than we have in the past. It's an interesting dynamic. We can pivot there because I was going to talk about it anyways. The trade for for LaVisica Chanel from the the Jacksonville Jacksonville Jaguars. Jesus, man. My brain is broken. The people probably like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about right now, but the LaVisca Chanel traded to the Panthers for late round draft pick compensation from the Jags to the Panthers. And now you got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. You still got Terrace Marshall Jr. Who is looked to be on the trade block as well. Andre Roberts. You got Rashad Higgins. Who's got some chemistry building with a Baker from Cleveland. Now you add yourself a LaVisca Chanel and you got Shia Smith rounding out the wide receiver room right now. And I, mean, I thought, I thought Shia Smith was arrested on some burglary charges. I don't even know how this man is on this team right now, but Hey, he's got a good lawyer apparently. But when we're talking about a LaVisca Chanel, are we really convinced? Because when I saw the trade, you know, I was never a, a LaVisca guy and I had to go back and let me see what my scouting report said on this man, because I looked it up and I was like, yeah, it was I, I liked parts of his game, but was I overly emphatic on the man? I don't think I was. Here it is right here. He's built like a running back, looks faster on tape versus the combine. Great burst, solid frame, strong break tackle. I like him in the slot. He has playmaking ability. He is versatile. His route tree needs vast improvement. He's got an injury history. He had core surgery back in 2020 in his draft year, and I put him down as a boomer bust prospect, similarly comped to a Cordero Patterson. So, I mean, that's kind of, that was my initial thoughts all on his draft year. And, and I mean, I don't think much has changed. I mean, outside of the fact that we haven't really seen him do anything on the field, but I get where you're going with this. And maybe that's why they draft them to, you know, kind of alleviate those touches for CMC to keep them fresher, to keep them healthy. And it may not even be LaVisca from taking carries from the backfield. Maybe they recreate it with short passes and screen plays. We've seen it with Tom Brady in New England for how many years where they recreate their uh, run game in the short pass. Maybe that is the extension of the run game that they're going to try in Carolina, which will also help and benefit a Baker Mayfield. It's an interesting trade. I just don't know if I'm excited about it. I don't, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I'm not excited about it. I, I do feel like, Everything that you just listed in that scouting report 
is what is exactly missing from the offense in Carolina. Like they need that slot guy to do that. Now I know we like DJ more in the slot at times too, but we're not going to see LaVisca, you know, Chanel on the field every down. I mean, he's, he's not going to be a guy that's out there running 50, 60 routes a game, but he's definitely a guy that can just bring kind of that little wrinkle. And when you mentioned Cordero Patterson, he can be somebody that takes the jet sweep. He can be somebody that gets the wide receiver screen. He can, he can do so many things short and then do something after the catch. And if they can do that, man, I'm telling you, that is what's going to unlock the offense in Carolina. Cause right now defenses know Christian McCaffrey is option one, a, Mm-hmm. maybe one B and then it's DJ Moore. Well, that's how it's been in the past sure. anyway. And Absolutely. if they can get away from that, I mean, we've all loved DJ Moore for years, but it's just kind of like, eh, I mean, he's not done the touchdown upside and his quality of targets haven't been great for years. This is an opportunity for this offense to really be a, be a playmaking style offense, but not having to go down the field deep because if they're reliant on it, that's what got Baker in trouble before in Cleveland. Keep keep with what you're good at. Run the football, short to intermediate routes, and just continue to move the chains and rely on our defense. And they could do that in Carolina. As you're if talking, they can stay healthy. I agree. And I and as you're talking, it makes me excited because if we can get LaVisca to argument's sake, I'm the head coach right now. Okay. <laughs> if, if I Congrats La- on the promotion, by the way. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. You know, it's a great opportunity. But nevertheless, I mean, if we can get LaVisca to be that guy who's five to ten yards over the middle being those crossing routes short and and bringing some linebackers to his direction i don't care that he can play contested ability fine use that every now and then but this is a a spot where his body frame could actually help this offense like you said i think that's a great option now where you morph this is you make dj Moore run the dj waddle routes you go the 15 to 20 mid-range because that's baker's money and if if dj can understand how how to manipulate the zone coverages, find the holes, and then Baker needs to find the ways to hit his man. That's where I think we see the elevation in a DJ Moore. So, hey, Matt Rule, get me on your damn staff because that's how I would do it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what makes the most sense. And if you want to go deep down the field every once in a while, fine. You can every once in a sure. while. Maybe that's why you have a Rashard Higgins. Maybe that's why you have a Robbie Anderson still, a Terrace Marshall at times, a bigger bodied receiver that can make the 50-50 catch 50 yards down the field but that's not what you need to bank on here. You need to bank on these guys underneath and just let plays happen. Their offensive line, they're, they're improved, right? They use their first round pick on Icky, Icky Iquanu. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I- Iquanu, you got right? It. You man, got I, it. I suck with names like this. I, I just, I, I butcher, but that's what you're here for. The uh, names are tougher every year. I'm not even kidding. Man. Yeah, they're getting know, harder. What the hell is going on, man? Yeah, the, like there's a linebacker for for the Colts that I've been trying to pronounce right for like two weeks, Bobby Okoreki, Okoreki. Yeah, good yeah, I, I fail more times than not, but yeah. they're addressing some of these needs and it's only going to help not only Baker Mayfield, but the Christian McCaffrey's, the DJ Moore's and the LaVisca Chenault's. Now, I, I actually, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they do with the offense, but my expectations are still very low because I still don't think that they finish. I think they're still the third team in this division. Ooh, I guess to New Orleans. I would I would put New Orleans yeah, and Tampa yeah. Bay over sure. Carolina and Atlanta right now. Sure, I can see it. I can see that. That's that's that, that's not a hot take at all. I can definitely see that. But it is interesting storylines that Baker Mayfield is going to be playing those Browns. I can't wait for that game. I'm tuning in. I'm going to be flipping to that one all the time, even though it's like really it's it's Carolina but in Cleveland. But hey, it's going to be oh, good. Yeah, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be good quality drama. That's for sure. Baltimore, let's go, baby. They're hedging their bets. And they signed themselves a little Kenyon Drake to the club to help with the D, uh, J.K. Dobbins recovery plan. 
And I mean, this is a telling sign for me. Um, they they dropped uh, their rookie on the sixth round, Tyler Beatty, to make room for this uh, uh, acquisition in Kenyon Drake. So this tells me a lot in what they believe the progress is for J.K. Dobbins, that he may not be fully where they want him to be. And this has everything in the making of how we saw uh, Saquon Barkley you know, when he came off his ACL injury. So we were all cautious and said, yeah, he's healthy. He can play. Didn't start on the pup, but you knew how they were performing. And they said, well, we're going to nurse him for the first four games. And that's exactly what they did. They told no lies and basically unleashed quote unquote Barkley in like week five, six. I feel like this is the fear for me for JK Dobbins this year. I believe that they're going to do the exact same thing. Hence why they went out and said, we want a veteran running back better than Mike Davis. And we can't trust a rookie because if they kept Beatty, then I would say JK Dobbins was likely more healthy than what we thought. This tells me the opposite that he isn't as healthy as we thought. Yeah. And I mean, Dr. Ethan been trying to tell me that he'd been trying to tell me to hop off the JK bandwagon for weeks. And he, he sat there in Ohio and was showing me film and pictures and all kinds of stuff. And I don't, I think it's my inner, inner fantasy football player. I don't want to believe it because I love JK Dobbins. Right. But the writing on the wall now is for exactly what you just said. Hey, JK may be active week one, week two, but he's probably going to get like five, eight touches and then we'll slowly ramp him up. Now, luckily you're not having to pay a high price tag for jk dobbins right now Kenyon drake after jk dobbins week four week five how much value does Kenyon drake have honestly i kind of like what he could provide second half of the year because you still have jk dobbins who may not be 100 you have mike davis who we're not overly worried about uh, at all gus edwards love gus edwards but it's just another one of those guys that's even going to be further behind the schedule of jk dobbins Kenyon drake could kind of adopt a role here in this offense where he could be a guy that goes out there and gets you like five receptions a week. Now it doesn't sound like a lot, but five receptions for 40 yards and an occasional touchdown isn't exactly horrible in deeper leagues. I would not think about starting Kenyon Drake in week one of fantasy football. If you have to, you suck at drafting. Okay. You should not have drafted the team you drafted because you should not be starting or even yeah, what remotely are you doing? thinking. Yeah. You shouldn't be remotely thinking about Kenyon Drake, but he's somebody second half of the season that if he can adopt that type of role, could really be beneficial not only to this offense, but to a fantasy football team, especially in those deeper leagues. And I love the point of saying, I love teams that mirror the skill set at the running back position because now it makes you very multidimensional mm-hmm. because now you don't know whichever, like for me, example, let's just say, Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, you know what these guys yeah. are doing, right? So you know that Mark Ingram is not going to necessarily be your pass catching back. Kamara's in the game. You you at least have to account for it. In this situation, both JK and uh, Drake, they both can catch. So now you don't understand which one is going to happen and when. Drake is a good pass blocker as well. So I, I do like it for the versatility aspect, especially which is going to make uh, Lamar Jackson that much more dangerous on those RPOs, man. So it was a good signing. And I understand they wanted Beatty to be that guy. If you guys don't know Tyler Beatty, he was the sixth round rookie. He just got dropped, but I was, I was hoping I liked his skill set too. He was a little bit bigger type of guy. He just didn't flash enough in preseason. So that's why he is out and Drake is in. But I mean, if we're sticking with this, I do believe even early on, maybe not week one to trust because we just don't know how it's going to pan out, but maybe the week two, three, as they continue to nurse JK, you know, Drake could be your flex running back if you're if you're really hard up for that flex spot early on. I don't know why you should be like you said, but I mean, it's it's an option and it's a, it's a decent one. Yeah. And that's the whole thing is 
week one, yeah, not an option. But as you go on a few weeks, even once J.K. Dobbins starts to take a little bit more of a, a role in the backfield, once he gets you know closer to 100% health, we know that Baltimore is going to be in the running for a team that runs the ball more than anybody, any other team in the NFL. Like we already know that. I don't yep. care that they even came out and said it because they've been doing it for five years now. We know they're going to run the ball a lot and it can't just be one guy. It's why, you know, in years past, we've loved multiple running backs in this backfield before the injuries last year, we liked JK and Gus Edwards. You know I mean? There was just, there's so much to go around. And as much as we all want Lamar Jackson to run the ball, Fantasy wise, we we realize that he can't do that to the extent of where he's going to start suffering these lower body injuries year in and year out. We definitely don't have him towards the playoff run. They need him for that. I am so far on board the Lamar Jackson train this year and having a signing like Kenyon Drake, like you just mentioned a little bit ago kind of just makes me feel a little bit better for those first couple weeks that he's at least he's going to have somebody, a veteran that's produced in this league before that's somebody that can come in there and produce and take a little bit of that pressure because the last thing you want is Lamar Jackson to come out feel like everything is on his shoulders and something bad happens the first couple weeks of the game because he's just trying to do too much yeah I agree and I mean the Baltimore Ravens fans have lost their mind they started a GoFundMe to get uh, 250 million dollars to Lamar Jackson but (laughs) I understand you want to keep your man at home but hey it is what it is Baltimore is definitely going to be an interesting club though the one sad note we did see this week was Brian Robinson my guy I've been pushing this guy forever through the draft process even before with Bama I loved his game this man was shot, y'all. If you guys missed it, I don't know you guys were under a rock. He got shot in a carjacking. Bullet actually passed through his knee without seriously damaging any ligaments, tendons, or bones. I mean, he had some angels on his side that evening because, I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, great news that he is not hurt and he has been released from hospital. He has made the 53 roster at this point and is likely to return at some point this season. This really sucks because I really had high hopes for a Brian Robinson early on. And okay, we're obviously life before football. We're glad that he's okay. I'm not saying anything, but when we're talking about the football aspect, I mean, the easy joke I was going to put out there, but I didn't want to get crucified was Gibson was the one that uh, set up the hit. And I mean, okay, that's a bad joke, y'all, but Hey, Gibby, he wants his role. And I mean, okay, I'm, I'm a bad guy, but you, you know what I'm saying? So now all of a sudden you got Gibby back in the mix and now you don't have a Brian Robinson who was challenging for the running back one role and touches. You had Gibby doing punt returns. Now, what do we, what do we do here? I mean, are we jumping back on the Gibby bandwagon? Because now all of a sudden it's almost by default, he's going to get his job back. And that's the, that's the part that scares me is right. it's like by default. Cause it's not because they want to. We don't know the details of Brian Robinson and when he may return. Like you said, though, super glad to hear that you know, it was nothing major and that he it could have gone a lot worse. So 100%. definitely had angels on his side for sure. Love to hear that kind of stuff. But yep. I, I, I don't know. I don't trust it. I just don't want to trust it. I did a draft last week, and I think Antonio Gibson felt like the sixth or seventh round, and we're all like talking like, hey, you take him. You take him. I don't want him. You take him. I'm not touching him. You know, and it's just kind of one of those things like, Honestly, when that happened, the first thing I thought of, like fantasy football wise, was huh, maybe JD McKissick has a lot more value. Like to me, like, well, McKissick's in, you know, and I hate that because I love Antonio Gibson, but they do not love Antonio Gibson. And sure, every time we talk about it, people want to bring up, oh, well, if he could hold on to the football and not fumble so much, he'd have, you know, a bigger role. I get that. But when you're looking at the options in the backfield, especially now, 
Antonio Gibson brings something to this offense that they desperately need. And I just, I can't sit back and say, you know what, guys, you should trust Antonio Gibson as your running back too right now because of what has happened. I, I just don't feel comfortable saying it still. I know I can't get on board either. I just, it, it's almost like the writing's on the wall. It's like that ex-girlfriend that you cheated on, you know, she comes back and you're like, yeah, I still want you and I don't, but Hey, we can have a one nighter. I don't know. I'm trying to, you know, put something in. I'm just making mistakes all over the place. It's okay. I am, you know, I'm trying to joke around. I shouldn't joke with some man's health. And I mean, like I said, though, I, I put the caveat. It was an easy joke and I didn't do it. I put it out here, but Hey, <laughs> this situation still sucks. I mean, <laughs> regardless of how we cut it, I, I don't trust Gibby either. I, I really don't. I, I, I think the coaching staff just wants to move on. He's one of those guys that may end up being one of the running backs that a, a team is always looking to replace and has to hold them because they don't have a better option. I kind of feel this is going to be his future path. And that sucks. It sucks. It definitely sucks. Like there's, there's not a whole lot around it. And when you have guys on the team, whether Curtis Samuel stays healthy or not, and a Jahan Dotson and a Terry McLaurin and a Carson Wentz who really doesn't check down to running backs very often, there's just a lot of things on the writing on the wall to where it's going to suck because Antonio Gibson is going to go out there in like week three and like scores 28 fantasy points and have 150 yards and two touchdowns. And everybody's going to be like, yes, Gibson is free. And he's going to come out the next week and get eight touches. And JD McQuist, JD McQuist is going to score three touchdowns. Like that's, that's just, right. that's just what's going to happen. And if I, if I can't trust somebody weekly, uh, there's probably somebody else on my team that I can. And that's the biggest, that's the biggest issue with Antonio Gibson is there's going to be some big weeks left on your bench. I would rather almost have that happen than get the four, five, six points that could happen with him in your lineup. Yeah, I agree. I think we have to move on at this point. If if he does blow up this season just magically by default, like we're saying, I'm going to allow it and I'm going to be okay with it for somebody else's to have that problem and, and yep. potential reward. I just, I just can't do it anymore. But sticking with those Washington commies, the commanders, small victory lap for me because – it's early, okay, so I'm not going to do a full dance around the table, but it's enough for me to stand up and clap just a little bit. Sam Howell, baby. Sam motherfucking Howell because... Dude, you and me I both, damn it, because I've been talking about right? Sam Howell too. <laughs> I was saying that he was likely one of the most pro-ready quarterbacks coming out of this draft class. I loved his leadership capabilities and qualities. He was a guy that put the entire UNC team on his fucking back last year when they lost Vontae Carter, Daz Newsome, and who was the other wide receiver? Uh, Diami Brown. Diami Brown. Thank you. And I mean, so he lost all that talent. He had Josh Downs and basically that's it. And Ty Chandler. That was all he had left last year at UNC. Sam Howell looked absolutely phenomenal this preseason. Let me break down his numbers for you. 63% and I get it. It's preseason. Relax, but it's still noteworthy. 63% for 574 or five. 47 in yards, three passing touchdowns. He has 94 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns this preseason in limited playing action. Carson Wentz, I am telling you, and I've been saying this all off season, Carson Wentz better be careful because if you're not producing, that leash will be very short. They're not necessarily committed to your ass. They wanted to upgrade, and you're basically like a, a Tyler Henneke on steroids, Carson Wentz. Now you have a guy like a Sam Howell who is a put-together human being, who is a true leader, who is a... Did you see that sideline when he made that break tackle from the back? They were all pumped up, dude. They were all pumped up. They want this man on the field, just like I do Sam Howell. Team Sam Howell over in this piece. 
Dude, I know. I I I'm love Sam it. Howell. I remember getting so much hate on YouTube of, I can't believe you love a guy who couldn't even get drafted in the first couple of rounds. Suck it, okay? The Suck guy it. is an NFL caliber quarterback. I do somewhat like that he has the opportunity to not have to start week one. Now, is Carson Wentz like the ideal guy for him to like learn underneath? I mean, I could probably choose some better options. Sure. But I think with him given the opportunity to actually learn an offense – for, you know, before being thrown in there, it's going to be so beneficial to this guy because once he absolutely gets it and he gets the opportunity, we know he's going to have the guys like Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. He's going to have some playmakers there to throw the ball to. And we've seen what this guy can do. Now, he ran a lot in college last year, but why did he run? It's because he lost Javante Williams and he lost Michael Carter. That doesn't mean that's He's not just some scrambling quarterback, and that's what all he's known for. He did what he had to do. He changed his game to mm. try to help his team win and get zero credit for it because his passing numbers went down. And a lot of people will look at just box scores and be like, oh, yeah, well, he sucked his senior year. That's why he, he dropped. No. Not he, true. He sacrificed the box score to try to help his team win. And teammates love this guy. And now that you're starting to see him you know, produce a little bit you know, in preseason, at some point – and I don't want to say it's going to be this year, but I would almost want to make a bold prediction that Sam Howell is the starter before the end of the year. I can I can sit here comfortably with it. If Carson Wentz struggles at all, I think they're going to Sam Howell. I really do. I do it's good. The leash is long. Let me just say, clarify that. It's longer than it would be for a lot of quarterbacks, but they will eventually tug on that leash and they're going to be like, hey, Carson, it's time, man. You get in the hook, brother, because we got a, we got a young buck in the, in the stable. That needs to, you know, be unleashed. And it's facts, man. I mean, yep. Sam Howell broke all of UNC passing statistics in his in his collegiate career. I mean, what? Over almost a hundred touchdown passes, 90 or what was it, 35,000 yards, whatever. I mean, you got to go and look at it. He was just an absolute baller. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I mean, I know I was gushing over him on my scouting report on Headliner U because he was a good one. And I think I think in Washington, he's actually gonna fit in extremely well in I that system, especially with John and with Terry. Yep. And like we said, he has the ability to be mobile. He doesn't have to be mobile, though. And Correct. given that they're not the greatest of offensive lines at this time, he's going to be a lot more mobile than Carson Wentz is going to be. So if that's something they're struggling with, it's, it's just another you know thing they got in their back pocket. I love Sam Howell. I cannot wait for him to get an opportunity. Me too. I'm, I'm excited, man. So excited. But we got to pivot to another rookie named Malik Willis. And I'm speaking of rookie quarterbacks because, I mean, these two guys – you know, in the draft process, they should have been one and two. Kenny Pickett, probably three, but Pickett, you know, took his took his stock and he rose and we can't hate it because he's looked good this preseason as well. But Malik Willis is an interesting uh, uh, quarterback because he progressed in all three games. So he started slow in the first, you know, picked it up. Second game, he looked a little better. And the third game, he looked quite sharp. And, and I, and I want to see whenever I tell people, when you're looking at a young quarterback, you have to be patient with the progression. Let the progression play out. If they continue to slide, then you're kind of getting your answer. But if the, if the ticks are just going up incrementally, incrementally upward in the upward trend you're seeing good stuff happen Malik Willis's preseason was not horrible 55 percent for 318 one passing touchdown one inti he did run like Lamar Jackson 159 in rush yards with a rushing touchdown he's not as fast as Lamar Jackson he doesn't have that crazy burst but he can get into the open field he's built a little bit bigger as well kind of like we're saying like Sam Howell their bigger type of body frames can take a little bit more punishment even though we don't want it to happen what are we thinking about Malik? Because I kind of feel like he's not as ready, which we thought, you know, he's going to need time to groom, 
but he showed me enough that says he's learning on the fly playing time more. He's going to continue to improve. We spent the first 10 minutes of this show yelling about Trey Lance. Yes. You can pretty much pencil down Chouse this time next year. We're going to have the same damn conversation with Malik Willis and Ryan Tannehill. Highly likely. It probably won't happen in late August, but it'll probably be in July because we're going to be talking about it because there's a potential out for Ryan Tannehill after this year. Uh, Malik Willis going to have that opportunity to sit behind a veteran quarterback. I mean, we're it's literally the Trey Lance situation all over again. They're going to have plenty of pass catching weapons. Bobby Trees looks pretty good for coming back off the torn ACL. Traylon Burke starting to, I think, turn the corner a little bit. I mean, we have options in this offense. You know, you're going to be reliant on Derrick Henry. I love the addition of Austin Hooper to this team. Uh, I just think that there's a lot of things going the way of Malik Willis, but he's not going to be rushed into it just like Trey Lance wasn't last year. We're going to see Ryan Tannehill all year long this year, as long as he stays healthy. That's not going to change. I don't see Malik Willis. I don't see a similar situation here, like what we just talked about with Washington, where I could see Sam Howell taking. I don't see that in, in Tennessee. I feel like Tannehill's going to, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be out there all 17 games. But next year, we're going to we're going to be talking about Malik Willis and He's going to be right there in that same conversation with where, where Trey Lance has been this offseason because the hype every offseason is going to happen. And when you see these clips of this guy scrambling like he is and, and making plays down the field, all that stuff's going to come back up in just a few months as soon as the season is over. And once the, the rumors start is when things actually start to happen. And that's the, that's the facts. I mean, Malik Willis has a cannon of an arm. We know this, and you can't teach that. It's just yep. like the tra- the Trey Lance. Trey Lance, it's all right? over again. <laughs> Trey Trey Lance had the cannon, but he was just raw. You know, Malik Willis. The only concern I had: why did he lose out the job to Bo Nix in Auburn? That was my biggest problem. That's why he transferred over to Liberty because he needed the playing time. But I mean, everything works out for a reason, and you can tell that Malik Willis is a guy who likes, who wants to learn, who wants to be better. And as you see these games, go watch even the highlights. I watched all three of the games, all of Malik Willis's snaps because I wanted to be on point. But even if you're just watching the highlights and you watch highlight progression of what Malik is Malik Willis is doing, it is it is such a good progression learning trait because he's actually growing. That that pass he threw, the sidearm pass touchdown to Traylon Burks, He's in the pocket with heavy duress coming his way, and he's able to contort his arm to go sidearm underneath the defender. That shit doesn't just take. No, that's natural (laughs) talent to understand. This is what's going on, and I need to make a play. Do we want to see that all the time? No, because that'll eventually get picked off. But this, at least you can say he can do these types of things. Now it's about refinement, progression. I'm a fan. I think he's a good young quarterback. And as long as he continues, I'm with you, though. Uh, Tannehill is likely going to be the guy the entire year. But it's what we wanted to see. Let him sit for a year. Let him learn. And then, you know, we'll see when the shackles can get taken off. Yeah. So and can you imagine this offense with Malik Willis under center after having a year to digest and learn with a Derek Henry, Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, Austin Hooper, decent offensive line. Who knows what else they could add next year. This in a division that's very winnable for them for the you know foreseeable future it could be it could be pretty interesting tennessee is only fun to watch right now because of derrick henry like everybody's tuning in to see if he's going to run for 200 yards and two touchdowns every week malik willis could kind of change that a little bit and give them an entirely different dynamic not taking anything away from ryan Tannehill, i still really like ryan Tannehill. i still think that he is a very very underrated but perfect opportunity for for 
uh, you know, him to sit back here, Malik Willis, and, and just and just learn and understand and and prep himself for the future because he will be the future in Tennessee. Can you imagine RPOs with Malik? Dude, Willis no, I can't. Like, I, Henry. That is so fun to like. I'm just sitting here like uh, that would be exciting to watch. You know, I mean, can you imagine Lord. the holes he would have to run through? Oh my Lord! And I think that's exactly what's making the coaching staff in Tennessee salivate. Because good God, man, how do you even defend that? You got a bulldozer battering ram like a King Henry taking an RPO and you don't know if Malik's taking it? Yeah. <sighs> Pants are wet again. I'm sorry. It just hear, dried. It just this, dried. <laughs> if you're hearing the solution sloshing around, that's <laughs> just my pants. But hey. Interesting, you know, news that came out is Najee Harris basically said it himself that he told reporters that he sprained his Liz Frank in camp. That's and I was good. like, I was like, dude, man, we're expecting 500 touches from your ass this year. And you're playing on a Liz Frank strain. Like, I don't like this whatsoever. He played in that last contest in the preseason game. He said he felt rusty as hell. And it's it's safe to say that, you know, I I before this, I had, you know, okay. Path to volume, we always will argue and say that that is a major, you know, good, positive sign for fantasy football. There was something always in the back of my mind, and it had to have been this quarterback situation to say, as much as I like Najee, I'm going to pass him up for other guys. I will draft a Joe Mixon. I will draft a Saquon Barkley, even though I will risk probably top end points. It's just something about it just didn't sit well with me. The 3.3, 3.8 yards per carry. I don't want that shit all day long to watch on Sundays. I want to see explosive plays. And will we have that with uh, Trubisky or Kenny Pickett? They still haven't announced who's going to play. But this is a concern, man. I don't care who you are. A strain, Liz Frank, obviously doesn't need surgery, but I'm concerned. I mean, just in case you guys have forgotten, it was a fractured Liz Frank that kept Travis Etienne from even playing football at all last year. So, I mean... It's not like we're talking about something that's totally meaningless. Now, it was good that he got in there the last preseason game and and got some action. That right there was a a great sign to know that he's probably going to be good to go week one. But my problem is you have a guy that basically kind of just sat out a month with a pretty serious injury where he kind of escaped major injury. And now you got to throw them out there. Three of their first five games are on the road against Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Buffalo. He hasn't really played a whole lot. He's also got games sandwiched in there with the New England Patriots and New York Jets. I mean, these are not like overly easy matchups. A guy with some rust, and you're going to throw him out there and, and give him 25 touches? I don't think you do. And if you don't give him the volume and you get your 3.8 yards per carry, you're going to have a guy that goes out there and gets 17 carries for 65 yards. And if he doesn't get in the end zone, he's hurt you on your fantasy roster. And that's, like you said, not somebody that I really want to bank on in the first round. I love Najee. Like if Najee was full bore, 100%, no issues, then I'm really not even thinking about it. I really don't even care about the matchups. But now you have more versatile quarterbacks, you know, under center and not taking anything away from Ben. But the last couple of years, he was just not the big Ben of old. You got Trubisky, you got Pickett. Both are able to maneuver inside the pocket and they want to go down the field more. Very, very disheartening to see all their stars in the game in the last preseason game and all these guys getting banged up. I mean, you do not want to see that now. That was horrible. I, yeah, it's horrible. I, I don't understand things like that whatsoever. I mean, I have a hard time even watching preseason football because I don't want to see players out there that I'm counting on week one. But I, I'm worried about Najee Harris just having a slow start. I could see him definitely be one of those guys that struggles the first three to four weeks of the season. Owners start to panic, and then you can swoop in and make a trade for him, and he could be somebody that could help you second half of the year more than he could first half. Yeah, I, man, you hit the nail on the head. I was, I was like watching that Pittsburgh game, and – 
Deontay falls on his shoulder awkwardly, and they're saying right now they're they're being very cautious. They're not putting a lot out in the media, and they said uh, we're not really concerned. He's likely going to be. He's got two weeks to heal up. They're talking this could be an AC joint strain. And if you guys have ever played any kind of, you know, sport that, you know, has an AC joint sprain, you can't lift your damn arm. Yeah. And, and, and that's it's, a problem when you a, play wide receiver. hundred <laughs> percent, man. So, I mean, this is uh, Deontay. I like, he had no business being out there. I don't care if they were trying to see chemistry building with Kenny Pickett. You'd had no reason to have him on the field. TJ Watt goes down with an injury. This is your team, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Like, what are you doing the last week of the preseason? It's not the same. Didn't you see it kind of funny the similar way that a lot of these teams really didn't play their starters the entire preseason? Entire preseason, not just the last week, the entire preseason. The entire thing. They came in for maybe one series in one game, yep. and that was it. It was done. Like the Bills, Josh Allen and the coaching staff. Hey, guys, come on in, and we're going to see how game flow goes. Three plays, Gabe Davis touchdown. Yep. They're like, everybody out, we're done. Everybody out, we're done. And nobody saw the field again, and that was how it was. And at Pittsburgh, you guys are crazy but I mean, if Deontay misses time, this is George Pickens season. I mean, okay. let's go, baby. Now I love George Pickens, but I'm I'm not going to like, I'm not going to go too far. I, I'm still on the Claypool bandwagon. Fair enough. Fair I'm enough. I'm still I love what George Pickens is. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from George Pickens. Obviously, if anything happens to Deontay Pickens, values going to skyrocket as well. Mm. But I think with a difference in quarterback this year, both of those guys especially like we just talked about with Najee being somewhat rusty. Those guys could absolutely eat the entire first half of the season. If something's wrong with Deontay Johnson, I still like, I still like Chase Claypool. I haven't given up on him yet. I haven't given up on him either. I think, you know what, they can all, they can all survive. I think on this offense, depending, even regardless of who the quarterback is. I mean, if they had an upgrade, if Kenny Pickett is going to be the guy that we think he's going to be, Fantastic. I still think he can support all three to some levels. Obviously, it's going to be matchup determined and week to week, uh, you know, offsetting, depending on who's getting the better, you know, uh, scheme that week. But I mean, even with Trubisky, even with a Kenny Pickett right now, as we see it, I think, you know, they could have relevance. All three of them on the field It's just going to be mix and match and who which week. But I, but I mean, with it, who's who's a starter? Who, who yeah. do you pick the starter? I guess got to be Mitchie Biscuits. You, you think it's gotta be Mitchie biscuits. Like I don't not taking anything away from Kenny Pickett, but I don't think Trubisky has done anything to not have the right to start the season. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think he's done anything that look at him and be like, huh, you know what? He's just not it. Pickett is the guy. Like I still feel like Mitchell Trubisky gives them the best opportunity to win ball games early this season. And with everything they have going against them now with Najee and Deontay and what I feel like Trubisky gives them the better chance to win here early in the season leadership capabilities from a veteran i get it yep i won't be surprised if kenny gets announced though i i really won't there's like 10 percent in my mind that says don't be shocked i i won't be shocked either but yeah it'll be another one of those things like i just don't understand like i don't i don't i get it i i can't find anything to where i think that kenny pickett right now is better than mitchell trubisky like i i just i don't see it i don't I don't know. I'm not a Pittsburgh fan, but I don't think that that clouds my judgment. I just don't feel like he gives them the best opportunity to win early on in the season. As an organization, if I was the ownership group and the GM group, I mean, I would sit here and say, are we going far in the playoffs this season? Likely not. So why would we risk our rookie early? Let's see what we have at Trubisky and then go forward. 
that's kind of how I would do it. But I think that the leash will be extremely short for Trubisky. If it's a couple interceptions early and they're losing, maybe they're just going to be this rotational piece like it was with Tua and Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. And, and it just is what it is. But let's talk some roster cutdowns to close this guy out because, I mean, there was a lot of names. I'm not going to go through the entire list because there was like 1,005 players on the list. But we do got some notable names. We'll start with my Buffalo Bills. O.J. Howard and Duke Johnson both get axed today poor duke that bastard he cannot stay on a roster anymore all we wanted was you know just the guy to have an opportunity have a chance i mean he had some good opportunities i just i don't know man i don't know why people hate on duke as well Uh, he's just one of those guys that's just can't he's like cordero patterson right he just can't find that role that really fits him anywhere but eventually when nobody's expecting it dude's gonna finish like a top 14 running back and everybody's like what the hell happened you know what i mean because he has the talent he just hasn't found the scheme and 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 right fit yet but at this point i'm starting to wonder if it's going to happen but we probably said the same thing about cordero patterson back in the day as well yeah duke will get a job at 31 and blow up and (laughs) not expected yeah where was this guy his whole career because you guys didn't give him a damn chance what about oj howard i mean that kind of i was a little bit shocked at this one the bills are eating about $3.2 million in dead cap on this one this year. And I'm like, really? He, he's not even worth a roster spot on those dollars. That's insane. Yeah. First first round pick, man. He just, he just can't do it anymore. I mean, it just, I don't want to lump everybody into the same barrel, but when you talk about people and players coming back from torn Achilles, mm. it's a big deal. And like, we just saw, we saw OJ Howard. We see Marlon Mack. And just everybody seems to just ignore it for like Cam Akers and stuff. And like, that's why I get worried is like, I just feel like they're still talented. They're still way better, you know, athletically than I am. Right. But they're, they're just not up to the level of their competition. And it's because they just don't have what they had pre-injury. And and I feel like we see this every single year with that injury, with the torn Achilles, it's hard to return to what you used to be. And if you weren't what you used to be, there's other people out there that are, are that right now. And he was very disappointing throughout camp and preseason. OJ Howard was. What was his biggest thing? It was his speed and athleticism. The burst and ex- you could absolutely. use him as like a, a wide receiver type tight end. Slot, yeah, absolutely. And you can't because he doesn't have the burst anymore. That's you know, right. and it was very noticeable on his out routes to the sideline. He just couldn't get off coverage yep. because the burst was gone. Oh well, we're moving on with Buffalo Bears. They cut Daz Newsome, and this one hurts to the damn core. Daz, man, how are you going to do a guy dirty who was, you know, preaching you up for so long? I gave you your own scouting report because I believed in you with this Bears offense like we're talking about. This was the opportunity, Jake. I I feel like if you get cut from the Bears as a wide receiver, maybe you don't belong in the NFL because I don't know if there is a worse wide receiving group in the NFL than the Chicago Bears. And if you get cut from that, I mean... What is that? And what does that say? And it's crazy because I, I love the talent of Daz Newsome, but if you can't catch on with the Bears, where are you going to catch on at? Yeah, I don't, arena football, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I mean, we talked about this before we hit the record button. Like, dude, you're not yeah. going to find a better opportunity than being a wide receiver for the Bears right now because targets are available, right? So the door was open. They handed him a water bottle. They gave him all of his pads. They pointed him in the right direction and still dude didn't walk through that door. 
He said, dude, there's the field. You just got to catch some balls. He's like, run. thanks. I'll pass. Right. I'll pass. I don't want to yeah, play for the Bears. I'm not doing it. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's the problem. He just wants to. Maybe, go maybe he's like, he's going to go somewhere else. And be like, Listen, guys, <laughs> I just did not want to be in Chicago. You got to understand. Do you, yeah. you want to be in Chicago? No. Okay. Guys, guys, I was fucking around, man. Yeah. I'm really, really good. Just give me a chance. He <laughs> just, just called wanna... Sam Howell and be like, listen, can I get on the practice <laughs> squad of the commandos, please? Yeah. <laughs> we got chemistry with the commies. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Dallas, man, they cut Dontario Drummond and TJ Vasher. Drummond was one of my late guys that I was looking out for. I think he's going to be probably on the practice squad. He is an Ole Miss product, if you guys don't know him. I like his game. He is a little bit slower on the end, but he does have the good body. I thought he could have done very well in the slot. TJ Vasher, on the other hand, very tall wide receiver, very large catch radius. If you guys missed, he did catch one in camp. That was a one-hander in the back toe tap and they both find themselves on the waiver. I don't know if you want to talk about these two, just notable because I covered them on Headliner You. Yeah, I mean, these are uh, – they, they can thank Jalen Tolbert. Because yeah, Jalen exactly. Tol- <laughs> Tolbert coming in and doing what he did yeah. solidified that job. Basically. Thanks a lot, Jalen Tolbert. You cut right. people's, you know, lifestyles, bastard. <laughs> Detroit, they cut Jared Davis. That was a surprise, man. The linebacker, former first-round pick. And, I mean, that's a big one. So, obviously, he hasn't fit the bill. And uh, Devin Funches, uh, uh, never Funches. I was saying forever Funches. And again, he's never Funches. Unbelievable. He can't even make Detroit's roster. That's another one of those things. Like, man, I got cut. I got. I've been cut from everywhere. Like at some point, you're like, dude, maybe I should go coach high school ball or something because I, I'm getting cut all over the place. Can I get cut by every single team in the NFL? Maybe. Before? Maybe that's what he's going for. That's the goal now, man. Houston cuts Marlon Mack, like you said, the Achilles. And here we go. We got to talk about this one just a tad because it's a Damian Pierce show. Oh, and God, again, don't even get me. I'm oh going to say God. something. I'm going to say something I shouldn't. We may have go to go ahead. This say thing. it. Go ahead. I, I cannot stand the <laughs> Damian Pierce hype right now. It's crazy. I There are people victory lapping on Twitter all over the place. And the guy hasn't played in one damn game yet. Like I just don't, I don't see it personally. Is he talented? Sure. But sure. he's going to play on one of the worst teams in the NFL behind a below average offensive line on a team that has no pass catching weapons, solid ones on the outside. I like Brandon cooks, but they're not enough to pull defenders outside of the box. He's going to have nowhere to run. He, they're going to be losing all the time. So they're not going to be able to rely on the run. I just don't see it with, with Damian Pearson. People are out there acting like this dude is Barry Sanders. Could it be solid? Sure. Is he even going to crack my top 24? No, he's not. Okay. Not- Rant over. It's a good one because I'm not in it either. Okay. And I, I, okay, here we go. The understanding of what a Damian Pierce is. It's like LaMichael P. Ryan, (laughs) basically for me, just a bigger guy with more athletic ability. And he does have talent. Can you lean on a guy like this? Absolutely. Is he a true running back one that can take 250 touches? I just don't see it. And if I'm wrong, I'll eat it. I'll, I'll sit here on the show and I will say I was dead wrong. He has proved ever. I do not see it. You guys that are victory lapping right now are only victory lapping because there is no competition for him. If he played on, say, give me a team with multiple running, go to Tampa Bay. If you put Damian Pierce on Tampa Bay with Leonard Fournette, nobody would be talking the same shit at all. So get off the path to volume because we've seen it before. How many Tevin Coleman path to volume? Mm-hmm. How many times we were all on that bandwagon too? Everybody, oh Tevin Coleman with the Jets, he's gonna blow. Tevin Coleman with San Francisco, he's gonna blow up. No man, it doesn't always translate. He played in preseason games against subpar defenses and third stringers. Relax, man. Push the button back a little bit. Side note, he never had 150 carries of Florida. So what does that tell you, too? Yeah. I mean, 
it's not like you got some guy who's an absolute proven commodity that's going on to a, a great opportunity. I mean, we see it all over the place with people getting this opportunity. Sure, you're going to get touches. And sure, look at David Johnson just a couple of years ago in this same offense. I mean, what sure. did he do? Mm-hmm. Similar type of style, right? He's going to go out there and get 18 touches, maybe. But he's still going to get you 60 60 yards. You're going to leave that game with 7.2 fantasy points and be like, damn, he didn't do much for me. Like, he's going to be okay, but he's not the second coming here. And I just don't see it. And the hype is out of control. And I really don't understand where it came from. Like his ADP is climbing faster than probably any player this entire offseason. I have people telling me, dude, I, I, I don't even know if I can find the tweet right now. <laughs> I literally saw on Twitter earlier. If I did, I would call out the stupidity of it, of who it was. I would actually name drop if I had to, but I don't remember. I was scrolling by and somebody had asked this question. How early is the earliest you would take Damian Pierce? And people were responding in the first round. That wow. is pure stupidity. Like, wow. I just, I, what are you doing? Like, are you just trying to get a hot take and just hope that something hits? Cause you've never gotten anything right in your life before because that's it. That's, that's gotta be it. You know I mean? That's it. People out there planting their flag that he won the job. Do you realize he had a torn Achilles Marlon Mack? Rex Burkhead, who hasn't been a thing since maybe New England a couple years ago. You got Royce Freeman, who's never done anything. Dare Ogunbala Walla Walla, who still can't find a role on a team. I mean, there's, I mean, what is he competing with? And what exactly. are you, what are you victory lapping? Exactly. And you're talking, okay, I don't always put statistical achievement in college football as the staple, but you do have to take it into account because this is what the individual did in college football. Jonathan Taylor almost had a thousand carries in three years in college football. Do you know what my concern on Jonathan Taylor was? It wasn't that he wasn't a fantastic running back. It wasn't that he wasn't a beast and wasn't going to take over. It was just body wear. That was my only knock on the man. It was, he took a lot of touches in college and it could, you know, make his career shorter. He's proven me wrong in that respect. And he is one of the best in the league. Damian Pierce has a long way to go to make any kind of statement in that. If he was that good, why did he not go in the first or second round in the NFL draft? You tell why, me. Why didn't he lead his own team in college and carries? Thank you. I mean, we had Emory Jones get 43 more carries than him. The only reason we're talking about Damian Pierce is because he had 13 touchdowns rushing last year. That's it. Do you think he's going to go into the Houston Texans offense and get 13 rushing touchdowns in only 100 carries? If you do, maybe fantasy football is not for you (laughs) because that's not going to happen. Wow, this isn't real. But hey, I'm not saying, okay, again, you go back. I graded him lower because I don't believe in the overall aspect of his game. Is he a bad talent? No. No, he's a solid player, 100%. he's He's a good player. I'm not saying he's a bad player whatsoever. I'm just saying temper your expectations. And again, I'll put it right here, man, the caveat. If I I am wrong, I will eat my words, but I really don't think I'm wrong. I don't miss very often. And if If, I do, I I will admit. If I am wrong, I will blame Chris. Perfect. (laughs) It is my scouting report. (laughs) Indianapolis, they get Kiki. Do you love me? And uh, Philip Lindsay, they're now off the roster. And, uh, you know, sidebar, CJ Verdell. I was hoping the rookie was going to make it. He did not. But why do people hate on Philip Lindsay? He couldn't even find a role here. I guess he, he kind of similarly to Naheem Hines, I guess. I guess. And I do love Naheem Hines. Right. But I just, I feel like Philip Lindsay has been given a raw deal. The dude went to Denver to start his career, surprised everybody was a solid back, and then basically just got forgotten about. Like everybody just like, eh, yeah, not interested. I mean, maybe there's something behind the scenes that we just don't know of or we don't see in practices, but 
I feel like this guy deserves to be somewhere, but nobody wants him, and I don't understand why. See, and Philip Lindsay was with who last year? The Houston Texans. Houston Texans. <laughs> and he didn't do shit, man. And he's a two-time, <laughs> two uh, 1,000-yard rusher as an undrafted rookie free agent. So, man, chill on the team. Ian Pierce talking. Dude, I'm glad that we're both on opposite sides of that. Because if we would have disagreed, this would have been a 50-minute conversation. It would have been horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Kansas City Chiefs, they get rid of the weed-smoking buddy and Josh Gordon and Cornell Powell. These Both these guys, man. I was big fans. I mean, Josh Gordon, he was likely one of the best at his time in the NFL and was, you know, the potential was there for him to be a superstar in the NFL. Just all the, the weed smoke, all the suspensions. I get it. You know, everyone who enjoys their weed, I'm not bashing it. It's all legal in most places now. Completely fine. I don't have a problem with him smoking the Chiba. It just sucks because it ruined his career, you know, based on how the NFL had to deal with it. Cornell Powell, another one, I thought, you know, he's probably going to land on the practice squad. But, I mean, the way Kansas City's operating right now, they got a pretty stacked wide receiver room anyway, hence why these guys are gone. Is it crazy that they lost Tyreek Hill? And I kind of like their wide receiving room better this year than I did last year. Funny, right? I mean, I think it's just more consistent this year. There is no true number one wide receiver. It's still going to be Travis Kelsey, but Juju is going to rack up a ton of targets. The problem is, is after Juju, you're going to have big weeks from Miko Hardman, MVS, maybe even Sky Moore, but it's not going to be every single week. I think the the only consistent producers in this offense is going to be Juju and Travis Kelsey. But as a team from an NFL perspective, I think they're almost better this year. It's crazy to think because I always now go back to the same argument whenever we see this happen. And that's Detroit when they lost Calvin Johnson. Mm -hmm. So now you got to get better in the aggregate. You got to utilize your entire roster of worldwide receivers. And that's exactly what Stafford did. I get that feeling that this is what Mahomes is going to do this year. They're going to be spreading the ball a lot this year. Teams won't know. Andy Reid's smart enough to understand that. And he teams won't know who to, you know, outside of Travis Kelsey, obviously they're not going to know who to pigeonhole in their defensive game plan. They're going to have to adjust every, Every single week in game and this is to the benefit of the chiefs yeah i think from an nfl perspective it's amazing from a fantasy perspective eh, not as much not so much (laughs) but hey you know i'm still on the juju bandwagon i think i am too he'll get hardcore 120 receptions let's go juju dude i'm loving it i mean he may not even crack a thousand yards no it's fine but but he could get 100 he could probably get 115 receptions and a thousand yards and eight touchdowns, and where you're drafting him, he's going to be a huge value still. Give me 115 and eight touchdowns. I'll take the 750 yards. Yeah, I'm I don't care. Yeah, everything else is just gravy. <laughs> good, man. It's all good. The freaking Las Vegas Raiders, man. They are the team. Mike Mayock, okay? I got a gripe with you, buddy, because you know what you're doing right now? I am a scout, and you are making us potential NFL scouts in the future not ever get a chance at a GM job because you have just completely ruined this draft pick capital that the Vegas Raiders had. Leatherwood, the first round pick from last year, has been waived and cut. You had Henry Ruggs. Unfortunately, that was just a you know stupid decision on his part. He's in jail. They lose him on the first round pick. And then you had Josh Jacobs. You didn't renew his fifth-year option. Another reach. Then you had uh, Caleb Farley reach. He's gone off the team. And there's one more I'm missing out of there. Another reach. Oh, the Arnett guy, the defensive back. Yep. We also had some crime trouble. Dude, that's like six first-round picks that are no longer on this team from the Mike Mayock uh, tenure. That, Which is crazy because if you think about it, Mike Mayock, 
seems like he knew what the hell was going on in this league. You know what I mean? He knew. He knew. Like, it wasn't some rando dude that you never heard of that, like, dude just got the – dude knew somebody, kissed somebody's backside and got this job. Yeah. No, Mike Mayock came across as somebody that really knew what the hell was going on, and he he royally – I don't think that you or I could do this job and have done a worse job with, than the Raiders. I mean, I could have I at least done this bad. I mean, I may <laughs> have not done much better. But I mean, seriously, this is this has been bad. I know I could have done better. God damn it, man. Give me the chance, man. And Mayock screwed it up for me. I mean, I can tell you right now, I never would have drafted Alex Leatherwood. Hell no. <laughs> so, why, I mean, why are you why are you reaching on players you can get later? I just I'm so confused. Is Cole Strange the next Alex Leatherwood? Basically. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Because then we can say Bill Belichick did something he, stupid at some point. Bill Belichick's, <laughs> I think some marbles are loose for him, too. He just dropped two of his tight ends he picked in the in the top three rounds, too. So, I mean, I don't know what's going on with that guy either. But the Miami Dolphins, they cut Sony Michelle, Lynn Bowden, and Mohamed Sanu, and Preston Williams. Some decent names that have been fantasy relevant in the past that we all should be aware of. Preston Williams is kind of the more interesting one. Sony, he likely will latch on somewhere. Lynn Bowden did have some potential, but it's uh, Sanu is obviously time has passed him by but Preston Williams kind of where I'm going with this because I think he is a good receiver and I think that he has had a raw deal with injuries as well he was begging to be traded or released because he wants another opportunity will he get it I don't know but you know where I want to see this man go to Atlanta my man go to Atlanta right now play with some pits play with some London I'm not a big fan of Edwards so I mean I think Preston could probably beat him out I think Preston the only thing he had going for him was, was inopportune times of injury, right? Because he would come out and he would ball out and then he'd get hurt and miss a bunch of time and end up losing his job each and every year. Atlanta was a great opportunity to go out there and get targets for sure. I would not hate that. The Sony Michelle one, a little weird. They bring him, they bring him in, they wave him, but you know, like you just said, he'll latch on somewhere. He's going to go somewhere and he's going to make it a another backfield to avoid wherever he goes. He's going to go to like Philadelphia or something and just totally make everybody worthless. It would be it would have to be Philly. It would watch totally him, be there. Watch him go to Denver and just make a headache in Oh dude, half. I mean people, can you imagine what would happen if he went to Denver? You're going to have riots in the streets. He's going to end up man. in Kansas City where it's even more of a mess. That's right, man. That's even it will happen. KC with Rojo and C, uh, CEH. Good God almighty. I want nothing to do with that no. shit. Wherever I'll put it out there like this. <laughs> Wherever Sony Michelle goes, he will kill the value of that backfield. And unless he goes to the Colts behind Jonathan Taylor, I will no longer want that backfield. Hundred percent. This is how it's gonna go. Don't He's even just a come. backfield killer. Do not even look at Buffalo. I don't want you in Buffalo. Get yeah. the hell out of here. We got enough problems with Zach. Excuse me, Zach Moss. But Minnesota, they cut Kellen Mond. I mean, this wasn't necessarily a big shocker for me. The quarterback from AM. It was kind of one of those guys that someone, you know, he's got rushing upside. He's got a decent arm, but he's inaccurate most of the time. And I think, you know, the, the new coaching staff and new regime, they want their guys and it's clear in how they're pushing and rebuilding just as highlight. If anybody knew Kellen Mond, I mean, he's gone now from Minnesota. Yeah. And they got a backup in Nick Mullins who's won games in the league before. So they don't really need Kellen Mond just wasting roster space. Totally, man. And you know what, because he played at a maybe he goes to Houston because I really wouldn't hate that. Cause I think the Texans actually wanted to draft Mond back and they, they missed out because Minnesota snagged them. So I don't watch hate that. out for that. Tampa Bay, last one, Tyler Johnson. This one hurts me big because I was, see, here's where I'm going to admit that I was wrong. At this point, as we said today, I was 100% wrong on the Tyler Johnson. I pegged him as a lesser Juju Smith-Schuster because he did not drop any passes in college football. His hands were like glue. He had enough speed. 
he's dropping passes like a madman in the NFL and it gets it cost him his job in Tampa Bay. I'm sorry I preached up Tyler Johnson. If you're going to drop balls anywhere, you don't drop them in the vicinity of Tom Brady. Basically. Because he will pretty much say, listen, you can keep this guy, but I'm never throwing him the football. And if that's the case, he doesn't need to be on the roster. 100%. Damn, <laughs> he, he hurt himself here. Jesus, man. You can't even catch balls from Tom Brady. Like, then this is a problem. If you're going to catch any quarterback's balls, at least let it be Tom Brady's. <laughs> He's got some plastic surgery going on, apparently. You see that? I mean, I hear the rumors and see the things. I don't think so. I think he lost a lot of weight. There's got to be some stress he's going through. That's just weight loss. Uh, that, I mean, that's kind of what it looked. His, just, his face looked a little skinnier. Yeah, he looked like he was stressed out, man. I, hopefully everything's okay on the fam life because, I mean, he looked stressed. I've never yeah. seen Tommy touch down like that. I've never seen him on a podium like that before. Never. Where never. he's like, dude, shit's going on right now. You know what I mean? Like, he's just – I love it. I love that side of Tom Brady because we never saw it in New England. Yeah. But it does make you wonder kind of what was going on and, and hoping that everything's okay. Yeah, he's like, I'm 45 and shit happens in life. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, Tom. Got it, Tom. Sorry. Thank you so much. All right, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> we'll talk to you this week one, man. Take it easy, but nevertheless, I mean, that is it. We got NFL. We got one more week of off, and then the Buffalo Bills start Thursday night football, and I swear to God, I think I'm going to have a heart attack already. Don't Not I'm yet. So, I'm so excited. Not yet, though. I mean, you should be good for the first couple of weeks, right? I'm, pal- I'm palpitating, man. I'm just so excited. I mean, it's going to be a good game, though. And you got to look at it this way. Even if it doesn't go your way in week one, you lost to the defending Super Bowl champs on the road. You know what I mean? So it's not like you just lo- Now, if you go out and you lose to the Unacceptable. Texans. Unacceptable. If you go lose to the Texans week one, then all of a sudden, like, do we yeah, need yeah. to do a, a safety check on Chouse? Okay, because yeah, we got to make yeah. sure he's okay. If you lose to the Rams, though, at least it was a, it's a battle of two, you know, I don't juggernauts. Like it. I don't like it. It's going to be a damn good game, though. I, it will I be. Can't- I can't wait. Buffalo, you guys better be ready. I expect Super Bowl or bust this year. Otherwise, it is a failure of a season. But nevertheless, let's get the hell out of here. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. And until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.